Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Respectfully Disagree. So, the I can fix him trope is a popular one in pop culture and it's even become something of a meme now. But we talk about it with a vein of self-awareness because unfortunately many of us might have been there. So this week we're getting together and talking about what this idea of fixing our partners means and whether there's any redemption to be had from trying to fix our partners. So to start with, uh, let's ask the simple question of should we fix our partners? Yes or no? Where do you stand? This is Shushti, your host, by the way. Hi, I'm Denise. I'm uh, a graphic designer here at The Swaddle and uh, from me it's a big fat no. Hi, this is Rohita. Um, I'm going to take a slightly controversial view on this maybe and say that perhaps we should all fix each other. And you know, when we fix our partners, it should be reciprocated also. I love Rohita's endless idealism. Um, I'm going to end up somewhere in the middle. It's Carla. I'm going to say that, yeah, we should fix them only if we want to, right? If we have the emotional energy and wherewithal to spend our time fixing somebody. But otherwise, no, not because they impose it on us. Okay, then. This is going to be interesting. Um, I also stand somewhere in the middle, but probably more on the big fat no side of the spectrum. So let's see how this goes. So to start off with, let's talk about where does this urge or idea of fixing our partners really come from, right? Like where, how, what does it really mean? And what is the most popular context in which we talk about it? So, I mean, obviously, when we talk about this, we can't talk about it without acknowledging the fact that predominantly, it's a very gendered trope where women fix their damaged boyfriends or their damaged husbands or men uh, in heterosexual relationships. But there's a like really disturbing uh, aspect to this where the roots of it supposedly uh, come from abuse and neglect in childhood and just any form of um, like a bad kind of childhood uh, lead make people more likely to want to fix their partners when they grow up because they kind of project that damage onto their partners. Um, and like taking these two things together, the fact that it's so gendered and the fact that it's rooted in some kind of childhood trauma makes it a very overall disturbing thing when we zoom out and look at the bigger picture because why is it that it doesn't mean that predominantly like more so than most uh, other people like young girls are subject to forms of neglect and abuse and trauma that make them more likely to do that i don't know um yeah so it's kind of disturbing when you actually look at it like that that's interesting so one aspect is definitely the sort of links back to childhood and the gendered uh, ways in which we're brought up there but why do you think that it's predominantly like in a heterosexual setting like the woman who ends up fixing the man or having this responsibility of fixing the man like where do you think that kind of dynamic comes from yeah i feel like when we talk about this this kind of like fixing bad boyfriends or broken boyfriends i think of that very pervasive pop culture sort of trope of the bad boy right and that and that we're set up you know young women and girls are set up to sort of yearn for the bad boy but to also be like the one girl who can like tame the bad boy right who can like help him and fix him and fill all of his you know him emotional needs that like no one else can fulfill so there is this sort of like glamorization of fixing in the sense that like 
the, 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 the sort of girl figure in these stories wants to be exceptional. And if she fixes him, she is exceptional and unique. Um, I like, I do wonder like if y'all know anyone who's happy or who's successfully fixed someone and like what, like in this kind of gender dynamic, do you think, do you think women actually derive some kind of happiness or pleasure from being the fixing party or is it more of like this burden of traditional gender expectations i don't think i know of anybody who has done it and has been successful <laughs> uh, at least not around me um, but i have seen like uh, a lot of women around me do that and uh, generally what the notion is that okay there's this one aspect that has been fixed but when you're looking at a relationship like this and when you're looking at a partner in this way yeah. that um, you know there's this flaw that i need to fix there will always be another flaw that has to be fixed after that so at what point do you say that okay i'm uh, i'm going to stop fixing it's yeah. always going to be a continuous thing and then your life becomes centered around fixing this one person so I don't think I know anybody who's done it successfully. Okay, so I've been there, okay? And I have tried to do this. It's not been successful, obviously. Um, but I'll tell you the reason why like, it feels like something that you want to do. It's because more often than not, the other person like who is like a man, uh, they kind of project this image of like this brooding, emotionally unavailable person who has a lot of damage, who has like bad relationships with his parents and family, who's like alone and this lone ranger who doesn't need, need anybody. But then you feel like if you swoop in there and you kind of try to, uh, I don't know, heal some of those wounds, they will start opening up to you. And then you're the like person who has seen the emotional side of him, you know, where no one else has seen it. So it's kind of like a quest, almost like, like a, DIY project where it, you get a lot of satisfaction from it um, but obviously that went very badly and throughout the whole like experience you always keep thinking that if only this kind of energy and this investment into trying to make the other person better was reciprocated then I wonder how that would have been like what if men also start trying to fix their partners and like because it's not just them who have um these wounds that they carry or mental illnesses and things like that but they kind of tend to make that a personality and i yeah <laughs> I, I i mean i see how uh, that you know that would be helpful and both individuals would grow um, in their own respective ways but i feel like it would be an issue if both parties did not want to uh, did not want to kind of change in the first place or be fixed in the way that the partner wants them to be fixed. And I feel like those, that's a very like tricky place to be because you're expecting each other to act in a way that you have constructed their image in your head. Um, so I feel like that's where this fixing each other bit becomes a little tricky. Yeah, and I feel like, firstly, I, I mean, Rohita would love to be fixed by you. In every episode, it's like, Rohita is this really sweet and lovely and kind human. And, and 
you know know more about that but i feel like also this idea of fixing i just find it a bit warped because again like i feel like even i've been there in different equations you know with friends with romantic partner and everything but i think it is a warped idea because like denise was saying like what do you mean damaged you know and in whose eyes and what do you mean that there's someone else who has to fix you i also think that it puts the onus in other people in a way that the truth is that nobody can really fix you except yourself or whatever damage you have or whatever it is that you have it has to come from within because also nobody else will know what ways you need to be fixed right uh, okay there is a line beyond which it crosses over into codependency and a lot of like therapists and psychologists have pointed this out of course but i still believe that um people need each other in life like we can't survive and sustain ourselves without support and love and care from another person and and i also don't think it's idealistic to say that because i know that the way i felt was was that i i wish that someone um had kind of invested the energy and care that i needed to bring myself out of a certain place in life and even though i did it on my own it still feels like i wish that there were people who were invested in in the very like primary sense so i don't know that's the kind of care that i want to give to other people um just because i feel like it would just make everyone better as a society and it somewhat intersects with like my politics also but we can go into that another time but really that what you're describing sounds to me like the definition of a healthy relationship right like a healthy partnership where people go through various emotional cycles and and then people and the, and that care is reciprocated but i think the the trope and the place where it's harmful and that this comes in is where people become codependent because they become so invested in their specific roles right and people get all if you think about the kind of positive reinforcement they get from society like women do in heterosexual long-term monogamous relationships get lauded for being good caretakers of their damaged husbands i feel like one thing that we're all going back and forth and is that when is fixing a good thing versus when is it a bad thing so maybe we can kind of take a few pop culture examples and kind of discuss was fixing needed here or is it a bad thing did it put people into certain roles or you know so okay to start off with uh let's go with one of my favorite <laughs> rom-coms 10 things i hate about you and um the relationship between patrick and cat So in this what ended up happening is that she inadvertently fixed him like he's this bad boy character or whatever he did this ho- like awful thing of like dating her for money but still they kind of ended up together in the end because knowing her has changed him and even though like it this is an interesting thing for me because she's like super feminist super independent strong-willed opinionated and still this is a relationship that developed out of her somehow having fixed him just by being herself and yeah i don't know that was interesting to me because i feel like maybe there are people who might see this as problematic but i personally don't because i don't think she like yeah like gave up any part of her personality or labor to make this happen so i feel like this is a relatively more healthy example of someone fixing another person I don't know what you think. Well, also this example is like the story itself is 
meant to be that she's the damaged person and he's kind of changing. Like it's based on Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew, which is all about taming the woman, right? Like the woman who's very uptight and not relaxed and doesn't know how to have fun. And, you know, and then this guy comes in and sort of changes her. So even the, the basis of the story is one that is a little different from the situation, the, the sort of trope that we're describing. And yeah, that it's interesting that it's supposed to be like a 90s feminist retelling of uh, Taming of the Shrew and written by women. So it's it's quite an interesting movie in that way. But I feel like this goes back to the point about like people don't new, like necessarily need fixing or that's just a constrained way of viewing them because we know nothing about like Patrick in other contexts, right? What we know is that he's viewed as this like dangerous guy and he's like unavailable and he's... But we never actually see him being a bad guy. He's viewed this way by like this bunch of popular high school kids, right? Who also view Cat as like you know, this dangerous woman who needs to be stayed, who you need to stay away from sort of a thing. So I think it's more just a case of like two misunderstood people sort of, you know, just finding comfort and company in each other rather than like fixing each other. You know what I mean? And I feel like sometimes that's also what this idea of fixing is about. I don't really think it's about being broken or fixed. It's about finding someone who speaks your language and who makes you comfortable and who you know it's just that and I feel like that's a really sweet and nice thing and yeah an interesting aspect of romance but I don't think anybody fixed anybody there in my opinion on that note let's let's give like another example from a Bollywood film so what about Leila and Arjun from Zindagi Na Milegi Dobara so Arjun was you know, Rithik, the ca- character played by Rithik Roshan was this very like corporate guy focused on making lots of money and like he's somehow lost his love for life in that race to do conference calls on a road trip with friends and Leila is like this free-spirited, don't even remember what she does, does anybody remember what she does? This free-spirited uh, woman who like comes along and like tells him to live life and like, you know, that kind of a thing very briefly in the film so so do we think that like this is a good example of someone fixing someone (laughs) so what's interesting to me about this and a bunch of other examples is how much this trope also overlaps with this manic pixie dream girl trope uh because that's essentially what she is we don't know anything about her like we forgot also where she comes from uh but she appears in his life and uh, Matt and, and fixes him just by being someone who's entirely like a construct of his imagination almost like he doesn't see the parts of her that really allow him to get to know who she is it's just that she exists to make him better and this is like yeah a weird dynamic like in pop culture at least it, it overlaps a lot with this and that's what makes it problematic and makes us not realize that fixing can not doesn't have to be a bad thing always it's just like shown to us in these ways but yeah wait for for once i have seen the movie (laughs) for once (laughs) i'm so proud to say that i have seen it okay so um to me this was not a classic fixing he's just like an uptight dude who needed to go on vacation isn't this where the scene where his friend takes his cell phone and throws it off the cliff so i feel that his friend did more to fix him than the girl did right like so 
he just needed to like be disconnected from his phone for a week and like chill a little bit. I, this is not. This is not a real. He's not I, a real I think fixer. This is the either. best descriptor of the character: an uptight dude who needed to go on a vacation. <laughs> Okay, but in 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 on that note, what do we feel about Anna and Christian from Fifty Shades of Grey? I haven't watched this, so I mean, I I honestly have very little idea <laughs> or opinion. I also haven't watched it, but like from the from the virtually zero I know, isn't he doing equal amounts to like enrich her life? Like, aren't they sort of helping each other? Again, whatever. I know of this is from what uh, from like the memes because that like I think these two are like the epitome of the I can fix him meme. I mean that's the context in which I've seen. Uh, as in that's what comes to mind foremost when I think about this I can fix something because I've seen the memes on this and yeah I think um, this one is is an example of where it can go like into dangerous territory. Um, and let's also not forget that this is like fan fiction of Twilight. So then we can't talk about this without talking about Edward and Bella. And that also is like, like an intensely problematic um, relationship dynamic that I, I don't know. Okay, so on the one hand, it is like this I can fix him trope. But on the other hand, Twilight is being reclaimed now and people are unironically enjoying Twilight and the relationship between Edward and Bella. So maybe there's something that we're missing here because to me it still feels like a very uh, brooding, dangerous man with like uh, who a, a man who has the potential to destroy the woman but the woman withstands that danger and fixes him. This is like how I see both of those relationships and how, like, why it's pretty scary. Like, this whole idea of being in the in the path of someone who can and wants to, but restrains themselves from destroying you. But, wait, wait so I totally misunderstood, I suppose, then the Twilight <laughs> series and the trope, because I always used to think it's like, and I thought that that's where the appeal of, sorry, appeal of both franchises actually comes from where it's a woman who is like very quote-unquote supposed to be ordinary and like has a very boring and ordinary life and everything till this this very interesting like many thousand year old whatever vampire comes along and makes her life spicy and he fixes her in the sense that he takes care of her she's someone who's very clumsy and like trips a lot and like you know doesn't really know and he kind of looks after her and I thought the whole appeal with both the relationships is that it's someone who like cares for you and like looks after you in in both relationships if I'm not mistaken he also watches her sleep from yeah. <laughs> which people find very cute like women yeah. find that very but like, it's romanticized so yeah in the movie it's sweet almost you're made to think that it's sweet you know what I'm saying like he's the protector he's looking after her to me this is quintessentially the trope in the sense that the reason we're made to feel this love story is romantic is because she is exceptional she's made to feel exceptional right like she's the only one he's gonna go like you know dig his fangs in and suck the blood out of every other human being on earth but for her he'll restrain himself. Do you see what I'm saying? And that whole dynamic of like the, you get to feel exceptional, like you're the only one who can like, you know, tame this creature. That is definitely playing out in Twilight. 
And that she gets this thrill and like as a viewer, you're like exhilarated for her because she gets to be the only one that like can do that. So yeah, that's really interesting. I think it ultimately comes down to this idea of like masculine energy being super like untamable and dangerous and only the best kind of feminine energy that matches that can fix it. And and we're made to feel special or whatever if we're able to do that. But you know, what about the f- flip side of this, right? Like, do you think that irrespective of gender, I think the, the need to fix someone can be extremely patronizing and disrespectful to the partner and it's something that we don't really talk about but what do you think about that like as in when we think about fixing someone we're constantly highlighting their flaws or we're saying that there's something wrong with them like would any of us like it if our partners tried to fix us or even if our friends or anybody tried to like fix us or went about saying that they are fixing us I mean I definitely would not (laughs) Um, I, same here. Um, even I wouldn't. And I feel like some part of it is um, also this need to fix someone in the way that you want is coming from quite a selfish place. Because you are this individual and if you know, if you think that you are worthy enough to be a fixer, you're looking at this person who needs to be fixed, you want them to be fixed so that they can play a role in your life in the way that your life can be fulfilled. But I think that uh, with a friendship, it's way more, it's slightly more unconditional. Um, And the idea of wanting to fix someone a lot of times I feel has, at least with the friends around me, I feel like it has come from a place of genuine concern and genuine, um, uh, genuine, like, need to see that person doing better when they are making the wrong choices say so that's how i feel about that okay i've got a hot take i don't think any relationship that where there is a fixer fixie dynamic like a permanent dynamic has has like is sustainable i don't think it can last like i think it's finite right as in this cannot continue for very long people can have these short bursts like that and Like what you just described, Denise, is I think makes a lot of sense that in friendships, like when somebody is really struggling, when there's a problem that, you know, friends step in and support them. But I don't think that friendships last for like years and decades if one person is always the fixer and always the emotional support system and the other one is always in trouble and always sort of the fixie, right? Um, Because eventually it becomes like, emotionally sapping and draining to a point that people can't take it. I mean, I've been there with that one for sure. I agree with that. I agree with um, uh, that part being um, very crucial to a friendship also. There's there's no way one person can, you know, always be, uh, for example, getting super drunk at a club and the other person <laughs> holding their head over a ro- toilet always. Like the other person needs to get drunk too. So, you know... Uh, sometimes <laughs> I love this analogy sometimes the most literal analogies <laughs> can do the best job <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay I don't know I, I kind of like disagree a little bit with the with the idea that it can be selfish to want to fix someone to like essentially mold them into what you want them to be I don't think that that's necessarily the case again like I've been saying like fixing doesn't have to be this this inherently narcissistic thing or this or this inherently self-sacrificial thing like I feel like those are two extremes but 
when we talk about fixing a partner we the way i see it um it it just means like recognizing what another person themselves is self admittedly struggling with and then trying to help with that and trying to put them back on the path that they want to be on and and also having them do that for you if and when you get into this into a similar situation so it doesn't like it's reciprocal in that it happens whenever another person like each person needs it and it's not necessarily like happening at the same time like but like just to put it in like a tangible example i think of a relationship where um one person is maybe severely depressed and the other person is not and then it's not necessarily the case that the relationship is toxic or unequal it's just that one person is unwell and needs help so the healthy person um i mean it very often is the case that they do want to see their partner through this phase or like they want to help them and heal them it doesn't mean that they're trying to fix them for their purposes um and so inherently there is this need to kind of do that like if you if you really love someone and uh care about them people do want to do this out, out of their own free will so i don't see anything wrong with that really um but i feel like rohita in that case um if somebody is going through you know a hard time and is like visibly suffering through it uh then like being there for that person or helping that person out i don't see it as a fixing thing like if that person is say uh, going through something and is also simultaneously going uh, getting like professional help uh, going to therapy and like being there and supporting that person is not necessarily fixing them i feel like that's a healthy uh, healthy relationship to have like if um, one person is going through stuff the other person is supporting and not um, trying to change them in any way but just being there Okay, I'm going to flip and go to Rohita's side for a minute because I'm just thinking and also actually question uh Carla and Denise's point about like whether a fix or fixy dynamic can be permanent, right? And and I can't believe we haven't brought up Sally Rooney yet, but I would like to bring Sally Rooney into the conversation and uh her characters typically have this kind of fix or fixy dynamic and particularly in her third and latest book Beautiful World Where Are You there is Eileen and Simon who are childhood friends and what makes Eileen uncomfortable about the equation a lot between the two of them is that she's often the one who goes to him crying and he helps her out and he cares for her and he like you know she calls him up late at night blah 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 so he's always there whenever she's in trouble to kind of fix her problems and also when she's going through a low patch she he's someone that she can rely on and he never cries you know to her or reaches out to her in a similar way and only at the end of the book it's revealed that i'm just not that kind of person like that's what he says i'm just not that kind of person who does that and it just makes me happy to be able to be there for you or to be able to be that person for you and i feel like even in my personal equations i've found especially since you brought, brought up friends friendships denise that um i might not be able to seek help that easily but it helps me when i'm helping someone else like one of my friends sometimes it's like say you're helping someone deal with a really major heartbreak or deal with some issue in their career or whatever it inevitably ends up helping you to play that role for them and it also helps you to kind of think through how to navigate a similar situation 
so i do wonder if like the fixer fixie dynamic can work in some ways you know provided you acknowledge that the fixer also gets a lot from the dynamic as much as the fixie does i love that example because i can't believe i haven't thought of it too because it's ditto um representing everything that i've been saying which is that it doesn't always have to be a bad thing and this dynamic is not necessarily always unequal it's just a dynamic it's not an unequal one always this is also a fantasy i'm trying to think as you're both talking i'm trying to think in real life can i think of a any example friendship romantic relationship anything in my entire life can i think of a situation where one person has always sort of been the fixer in the dynamic and the other person has always been the fixie and where it feels like a healthy dynamic and has continued for years or decades absolutely not it crashes and burns every time i can't think of a single example yeah i'm with carla on this i don't know i can think of a few examples but I can think of like the fixie is always like a big hot mess and at the end of it somebody gets sick of it and says I cannot do this anymore like I'm done. Maybe because I mean I've seen these relationships and so far they are successful but maybe I don't know in like 5 years who knows. Yeah, Carla <laughs> you're using the experience card because we won't be able to say we've seen this for so many years. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> every time, every time I'm pulling it a lot recently. <laughs> you know, the problem I think with um, that expectation of okay, fine, uh, like I'm a mess, I want you to kind of fix my uh, things. Uh, that also like as a quote unquote fixer you know that that person is not capable only of um, of handling your mess because they never they have never had the experience to uh, and nobody has ever gone to them with the expectation that okay uh, here are my problems can you help me fix them because they've always been the mess constantly so even if you want to uh you know want to reverse that role uh, you know that they are like emotionally incapable of handling that role so you just don't try okay i mean i don't know i just i i want to believe in the you know the fixer fixie sally rooney version of relationships because i also think it's like a it's a kind of world view you know what i mean and i wish that like i could be a hot mess and then somebody could fix me and then it wouldn't be like a like you're the person who's a hot mess you know what i mean like sometimes you do wish that you would be taken care of and like looked after and whatever and without that person thinking that it's it's too much to handle or deal with you but every human relationship has to be a balance right you can't like you can't always be taking and taking and it's not about friendships being transactional it's more about like we all have limited reserves of emotional energy and like we are all busy and we're all you know and everybody has their own stresses and anxieties and health problems everybody has these and so how much of yourself can you give to any one other person if you never if they're never there to give to you right and so that i think that balance has to be there otherwise it's an unhealthy relationship so it's not about you know like the people who who catch you when you're down presumably you would do the same for them right and so if they and if you wouldn't then eventually they'll move on you know what i mean like as in that's a normal because otherwise it becomes a parasitic relationship and parasitic like on your on your emotional state your emotional energy 
I think it's okay to believe in the romance of it, but in reality, knowing that it has to come from within. I I don't know. I think that's why I'm ending on that confused notes. What what are everybody's final thoughts? Where do you stand on this idea of should we fix our partners and is it healthy to have a fixer fixie dynamic? Uh, I still think it isn't a healthy relationship, uh, mostly because uh, I don't see that relationship being something that is. or uh, something that can be sustained over a while um so it, for that i think it's still a no but i definitely see the the appeal in this idealistic version of you know this give and take uh relationship between the fixer and fixie i think i'm closer to denise's end of the spectrum than i was when we started i think i feel more strongly Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. All yeah. this talk about fixing people has made me very impatient. <laughs> no. <laughs> I no, I take issue with calling it idealism because I really think it does exist even now. And as someone who has been the fixer and suffered from it, I still believe in fixing and being fixed. um as something that can help a lot of people heal and has some kind of like i'm not going to say revolutionary potential because that might be pushing it too much but <laughs> i just i believe in it i don't think it's idealistic at all well on that note i think that's a great note to end on and to leave our listeners to make the decision as to where they stand on the fixer fixie spectrum and on their thoughts about you know whether this is idealistic or whether it's realistic okay see you all next time okay bye bye, bye. this podcast is brought to you by ts studios the production company that brings the swaddle's creative point of view to original podcasts and films